Good morning and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. I'm your guest host, Milena. And I'm your host, Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the murder of Trisha Todd. So grab yourself a warm cup of coffee and let's dive on in. So for those of you that don't know, Milena is my little sister. She was on a mini episode about a year ago or so where she filled in for Abby on an episode and she is back to do another full episode with us. So welcome back, Milena. Thanks. Good to be back. Trisha Todd was born on February 19th, 1986 in Stewart, Florida to David and Rebecca Todd. She graduated in 2004 from South Fork High School and went on to join the U.S. Air Force. During her service, she was deployed in Kuwait and in Iraq. She was also stationed in North and South Carolina. Trisha met her husband, Stephen Williams, when they were children, and they were high school sweethearts and eventually got married. They were actually in the Air Force together and both stationed in the Carolinas together. The two had a daughter, and they named her Faith. But after 11 years of marriage, Trisha and Stephen decided that it was time for a divorce. So Trisha was about 30 years old at this time. And from the reports from all of the family members and friends and everyone who knew the two, the divorce was very smooth and Stephen and Trisha continued to get along. Even when it came to their daughter, Faith, Trisha had full custody of Faith, but allowed Stephen to talk to her whenever he wanted and to come visit. Because after the divorce, Trisha made the decision to move to Hope Sound, Florida, and Stephen was still living in North Carolina at a military base. Trisha was no longer in the military at this time. She had left on her own and had decided that when she moved back to Florida, she was going to become an RN and get a job working in hospice. So why did she decide to move back to Florida? So she just really wanted to be around her family and most of her family still lived there. So she decided that since her and her husband were no longer together, she was no longer in the military, it would be a good opportunity to take faith and go live with her family. I I can see that making sense. But like I said, Trisha always allowed Stephen to come and visit whenever he asked or whenever he wanted. But his visits were kind of sporadic because of the fact that he was still in the military. So it was just based on when he had enough leave time to actually come all the way to Florida from North Carolina. The week of April 24th, 2016, Stephen had decided that he wanted to make a trip to go and visit four-year-old Faith and Trisha. So he drove from his military base in North Carolina all the way to Florida and decided to stay in an Airbnb there. On Tuesday, April 26th, 2016, Trisha, Stephen, and Faith spent the whole day together. They did different things throughout the day. I couldn't find ever exactly what they did, but they just kind of spent the day together just as a normal family would. Trisha then left Faith with Stephen for the evening. I'm assuming this was pretty normal because he didn't get to see her a whole lot that when he came to visit, Faith would pretty much stay with him. Trisha was due to pick up Faith the next morning on April 27th, but she did not show up as planned, and so Stephen had to take Faith to the babysitter as he had to get to work. And that's what I kept finding in all of the articles, but I'm not sure if that meant that he had to get back to North Carolina so that he could go to work or exactly where he had to go. But he did have to take Faith over to the babysitter, and Trisha was going to pick Faith up from the babysitters. 
I feel like if my ex-wife was on her way to pick up my child and never showed up, I might be more worried and not just kind of brush it off. I don't know that he wasn't worried or if he just thought that something was going on. And so he just like said, hey, pick her up from the babysitters instead. But her family did get concerned because it was very unlike Trisha to not pick up her daughter. And so they were like, we're going to go to her house. We're going to check on her. When they got to her house, they found a couple different things. They found Trisha was not there. Her car was there. And there were groceries that were left out in the house. And then the lights were on in the house. So multiple different things that are a little abnormal. While her car was there, like I said, it was parked across the street. And it was not parked in her usual parking space. They also found her purse in her car. So they came to the conclusion that something bad had happened or she had just ran somewhere really fast, like to a neighbor's house or something. But the family waited a few minutes and then they're like, no, we're just we're calling the police. So they called the police and reported her missing. One of the first things that the police do is they check security footage. And Milena, I know you're not as familiar with with true crime in these cases as Abby and I are. So it's very, very rare that security footage actually exists in these cases. A lot of the times, Abby and I get really mad, and a lot of people who are into true crime and like really look into this stuff get really mad because either somehow, just that one day that something bad happened, the footage was not recording, or the establishment or wherever has fake cameras, and so it wasn't actually anything, or somehow the footage has been weirdly erased or glitched or something or it's just not in the right angle this is not a case like that this case they actually multiple times use security footage like in this thing and see her multiple places and it's just kind of cool to see an actual case an episode where security footage is actually coming in use so on the security footage that they check they do see trisha going shopping at the grocery store by herself And they do find that she did go home after the grocery store trip because everything that she purchased at the store was found in the home as part of the groceries that were left out. Police start checking with neighbors and one of the neighbors tell police that they saw Trisha leave her house in her car that evening and cell phone records showed that she had stopped by Steven's Airbnb that evening. And Steven said, yes, she did stop by, but she ended up leaving after a while. Steven and Trisha's family were trying to help the police with this investigation, trying to do their best to help find her. And so they let police know that Trisha would frequently go out for walks by herself to connect with God. She did this frequently. She always did it by herself. It was kind of her safe space and just a way for her to calm her mind a little bit. So police investigated into this and found that in Florida, she typically took these walks along the beach. And they start looking into security footage and confirm that she had taken these walks along the beach many times. They do see a man on this footage, and the footage shows Trisha speaking with this man multiple times. And so police decide to pull up the security footage from the beach on the night that she went missing, because maybe she decided she just needed a walk to clear her head, and maybe this man did something to her. When they checked the footage, they did not see her anywhere. So it did not look like she had been to the beach on the night of her disappearance. But they did actually see the man that she had spoken to before. And they just saw him watching turtles lay eggs. 
So he was very quickly ruled out and they no longer investigated him because he had a very clear alibi based on the security footage. At this point, police don't have a lot more places to look, so they start looking into Trisha's life. They search her phone to see if they could find anything about where she went, but the only thing that they found was just that she had gone to Steven's Airbnb, but they didn't know where she went after that. It didn't look like the phone had been used. They also found a journal, and this journal was one that Trisha had had kept for many years, and the journal had plenty of secrets in it. And these secrets were things that even her family and her closest friends had no idea about. The biggest secret being that Stephen was not who everyone thought he was. And the marriage that they had presented to everyone, to their friends, to their families, to their loved ones, it was all a lie. Multiple times in the journal, Trisha had spoke about how Stephen had repeatedly abused her, including a time where he kicked her in the stomach while she was pregnant with Faith. This makes him extremely suspicious, especially since she stopped at his Airbnb on the night of her disappearance. Exactly. There's that. And the fact that it's the spouse, they always tend to investigate that pretty early on. Another thing in the journal, and honestly, I'm kind of glad Abby isn't recording this episode with me today because this is the hard part. The journal talked about how Stephen had also strangled two of the family dogs. How sick do you have to be to kill not one, but two dogs? We all know that that is some of the first signs of being a psychopath. It makes me sick to my stomach to think that somebody could harm animals like that. And I just hate to think about the fact that there are people in the world like this. I think it really goes to show who Steven is, what he cares about, and some of his character. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. His own mother actually came out during the investigation and said that Stephen hated Trisha and wanted her gone. And she told police that she believed her son Stephen was a part of the disappearance. You know it's bad if his own mother was saying that yes he he's part of this he definitely was part of the disappearance like that's bad on his part absolutely typically your family will stick up for you and support you and have faith in you but in this situation the mom did probably one of the hardest things she'd ever do in her life and came forward and said no i think my son is a murderer basically Between the journal and Stephen's mom's statement about her own son and what his character was, who he was, police decided that they needed to start investigating him. While investigating him, they found additional security footage. So this is the third time security footage has come in play in one episode. And they found that Stephen had driven both his car and Trisha's car on the night of her disappearance. They also found that he had driven Trisha's car near her home on the night of the disappearance. Which would explain why her car was parked where she doesn't normally park it. Correct. 
Stephen claimed that he had absolutely nothing to do with the disappearance. He was like, you guys should not be investigating me. Go look for the real perpetrator. It's not me. And he continuously claimed that he had no idea where she was. He knew nothing. But the police did not give up and they continued to question him because they had lots of suspicions and circumstantial evidence against him. And they were like, we need something concrete. So they kept investigating him and questioning him. And he eventually admitted that he knew something, but he continuously changed his story. So police weren't officially sure what the actual story was. But from his answers, police did know one thing, and they knew that Trisha was no longer alive. The first thing that Stephen told police was that he found Trisha and she was dead. And so he just tried to dispose of her body that night. But he wasn't the one that killed her. If he wasn't the one that killed her, then I feel that if he found her body, he would have called the police like normal people do. That would be the logical thing to do, yes. But he was like, I'm going to try to spin this story to make it seem like I'm not the bad guy. Make it seem like I was trying to do a good deed where I was just trying to dispose of her body properly. I wouldn't consider disposing a missing person's body doing the right thing in a good deed. I wouldn't either, but that's the way that he was trying to spin it, to make himself look like a good guy. The next story that Steven tried to tell police was that he accidentally killed Trisha and disposed of her body, but it was an accident. So it sounds like he changed his story yet again. Yes, and then police were like, they were still not accepting this answer. It's not right. So they kept asking questions. And they ended up interviewing Steven's current girlfriend. And she was like, Steven's fine. Like, he isn't a bad guy. He wouldn't have hurt Trisha. He didn't do anything. And then investigators are like, did you know that Steven was accused of killing several of Trisha's animals throughout the years? And the girlfriend was like, kind of thought about it for a second with a little bit of shock because she realized that one of her dogs also died suddenly psychopath yes definitely a psychopath and the detectives actually brought her into the interview room with steven so that she could try to get a confession out of him but it didn't go anywhere so police still had to keep questioning him and investigating and trying all these different tactics and eventually he told the full true story so Stephen said that he had not come to florida in order to see his daughter but he'd actually come to kill trisha he said that he had spent the whole day on April 26th trying to find the courage to kill her, but he couldn't build up enough courage. And so she left eventually for the night because they were done hanging out. And he was like, I need to do this. So he called her and said, hey, Faith is sick. Can you come back as a ploy to get her to come back to the house? As soon as she got there, Stephen knocked her unconscious. And then when she came to, he attempted to force her to give him her email password and her credit card numbers because he had come up with this elaborate plan that he was going to send an email to all of her friends and family and book this trip and say that she had gone on a mission trip to Haiti because she'd done this before, but it was just going to be some spontaneous trip where nobody knew that she was planning on going and she just decided to go. But as soon as she came to and he asked her for the email password and the credit card numbers and all of that, she declined and immediately started screaming. And because Faith was there at the house sleeping in the bedroom, Stephen punched her hard enough to knock her unconscious again and then strangled her to death. Police also learned that Stephen had actually planned the entire thing out. He had bought a chainsaw and acid in North Carolina 
And at some point in time on his travels, he had dug a hole in the Hungry Land Wildlife Reserve. And so after he murdered Trisha, he put her body in a trash bag and then in her own car. And his plan was to take her car out to this wildlife reserve to bury her. But then notice there was no gas in her car. So he had to go buy gas, which put him on multiple security cameras. And that's why police knew where he was that night and why he was driving multiple cars. So he became very suspicious. After he got the gas, he took her car to the reserve and did some really gross things to her body. A lot of identity removal, um, including removal of teeth and fingertips so that her body could not be identified if it was found. And then the chainsaw was used. I'm not going into details. And then he filled a tub with acid and put her in the tub with the acid to basically remove any trace of DNA or anything. Basically, if the body was found, he did not want anybody to know that it was Trisha and he did not want anybody to know that he had had anything to do with it. When police asked Stephen why he did it, he said that it was because he wanted full custody of Faith and wanted Trisha to stop, quote unquote, disrespecting him. I feel like there is a lot better ways to get custody of a child rather than killing your ex-wife. I'm sure there is, but I think that at this point he was kind of already screwed. And I don't think Trisha was going to go down without a fight for her daughter because of the things that had happened in the past. I think that he knew if he took her to court, it wouldn't go well in his favor. Stephen also claimed that there were financial reasons and that he had to pay too much money in child support. He just wasn't having it anymore. So he didn't want to pay child support, but instead he wanted to just take care of a child, which in theory would cost a lot more than child support. It would, yes, but I think he saw it maybe as he would be using that money on his own. He wouldn't be paying it to somebody else who could use it kind of for whatever. Stephen was arrested on May 26, 2016, so exactly a month after she went missing, and he ended up taking a plea deal. So in exchange for giving the location of her body, he would receive a lesser charge. So he actually took police to the place where he had buried the tub with her body parts. On October 7th, 2016, Stephen was charged with second degree murder and sentenced to 35 years in prison. He was also charged with child neglect and sentenced to five years to be served concurrently. I just want to say I know he took a plea deal, but I think it's complete BS that he got second degree murder out of this. As someone who doesn't know much about crime, what's the difference between second-degree murder and first-degree murder? First-degree murder is where you put in planning, and it's very obvious that you sat down and you thought about this ahead of time, and you kind of weighed your pros and cons, and you decided you were going to go through with it. Second-degree is something where it kind of happened on the fly like maybe you didn't put a lot of planning in somebody just pissed you off and you decided to shoot them so planning an entire trip to another state as well as buying a chainsaw and acid that doesn't count as planning it does but because he took the plea deal he was charged with second degree just because that that was the way that he would get the lesser sentence I know you're not, you don't pay attention to this stuff as much, but they do stupid things like this all the time. And it always makes me so mad because, and he was charged with child neglect to be served concurrently. So he's got five years of that sentencing, but he's still, he's only going to be in there for the 35 years. 
because concurrently means it's going to be served at the same time as the 35 years. Why is that something that they do? So a lot of times they'll do sentences like that because if he was ever found not guilty of second degree murder for whatever reason, he would still have that backup five year sentence that he would still have to serve. So this isn't a situation where it happened, but some people will receive like three lifetime sentences and they'll receive three lifetime sentences and it's for each for a different charge, but they receive it for a different charge because if one of the charges was ever overruled for whatever reason, if he filed an appeal and if he was ever found innocent in court during an appeal, he would still have the other sentences. So we see this a lot. This is unfortunate. But police are very hopeful that after Stephen finishes his 35 years, the Air Force will come in and charge him as well because he was active in the Air Force during the time of murder. And so they can still charge him in military court, which is a whole different ballgame, a whole different set of rules. And he would receive the death penalty there. So they're waiting until he finishes his 35 years. And then they're hoping that towards the end, the Air Force will come in and be like, you did this as you were an active duty member of the military. And we don't tolerate things like that. So you are getting an additional sentence, either additional time in prison, death penalty, something. But there's hope that this 35 years and this second degree murder charge is not the only thing that he'll get. Well, we just have to wait 31 more years and then we'll know what happens. I'm hoping that the Air Force will come in at like 33 years of his sentence and they'll be like, all right, now we're going to sentence you. I don't know if they can do that while he's technically in jail. I feel like they can. Like I said, military court is kind of a different ballgame and I'm not as familiar with it. Um, But like I said, there is still hope that maybe the family will get a little bit more justice and maybe Stephen will have to serve a little more time. As for Faith, she was adopted by one of Trisha's brothers, Jonathan, and is currently being raised with two of her cousins. And police check in on her frequently to make sure that she's doing well. They said that they're pretty much just going to constantly check in on her. Trisha's dad during court actually said that he is going to turn all of his prayers to Stephen because he no longer needs to pray for his daughter because she is already at peace. And so his plan is to just continue to pray for Stephen. I did see that her father and Stephen's father were speaking politely to each other during the trial and it doesn't seem like there's any hard feelings between those families and Trisha's dad actually told Stephen's dad I'm so sorry that this is the choice that your son decided to make and that this is the path that he's on and Stephen's dad was like honestly I don't I don't know what happened I don't know where we went wrong raising him I don't know how he could have done something like this and it just sounds like the families have kind of come together to support Trisha while also recognizing Steven for who he is. So, Melena, I know you're not typically on these episodes and stuff, so what are kind of your thoughts after listening to all of this? I feel like Steven definitely kind of got off easy if all he gets is 35 years. I feel like he definitely deserves more because he did obviously murder someone, which, in my opinion, I think if that's the case, then you need to be in jail for the rest of your life not just 35 years. I definitely feel bad for Faith just because her mother passed away and then her father went to jail because he was the one that murdered her mother. So that's definitely going to be a lot of trauma for her. So, I mean, I, I definitely feel bad for her. 
Yeah, everything you said is very true. I'm just hoping, like I said, that the Air Force will step in and Stephen can fully get the punishment that he deserves. But I am glad that Faith was able to be adopted by Trisha's brother and is being raised with her family. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.